You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. Podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's happening. right folks the show is called amateur hour i'm ryan scott hall and joining me today my homeboy in hermosa beach is darkness so dirk so chiefs really squeaked one out on sunday night real squeaker if you only had one word to describe mahomes's sunday performance it would be what um, scrambling. Ooh. It was a scrambling performance because one, when the chips are down and the Chiefs need to play game after game, year after year, it is Patrick Mahomes that gets the job done with his legs. I've never really seen anything like it. I've never seen anybody with a nose for the first down marker like he has. And it's just think of all the big plays that have come with his legs, and it's always him, like, you know, just getting past the first down line. I guess the uh, Super Bowl one last year, he went a little further, but it's almost always right at the sideline, just past the first down marker, and just barely picking it up. And it's always pretty dramatic. Like, is he going to get there? And of course, he's going to get there. Um, he's, he's very, very good at that. Drew Tranquil even had the quote after the game, um, formerly of the Chargers. We didn't spy him for four years with the Chargers and paid for it dearly. So, I mean, this is something that, you know, here's a former player speaking out. I mean, it's also kind of, if you're spying Patrick Mahomes, that just takes another player away from coverage, and then you're looking at, you know, all kinds of different problems. Um, So this is just kind of the, you know, last-ditch thing, but also kind of, you know, Mahomes probably on the front of his mind at, at all times that he's thinking, uh, you know, what if I just tuck this and run with it? Always looking for that lane and always knowing, uh, you know, exactly how far his legs can get. And he's he's unprecedented at it. Unprecedented at it. Um, but also, he threw two of the worst interceptions I've ever seen him throw, which scrambled my brains a bit. Uh, and it was kind of weird to see uh, him play that poorly on the national stage and yada yada. And well, just any stage, really. I mean, just not used to seeing him play poorly. Uh, so him seeing him struggle like that was also a bit scrambling for my brain. Um, so the, my word for his performance is scrambling. Well, I've been scrambling to try to figure out like how to talk about it in a rational way. Uh, oh, let's get it rational. Let's so I I want to uh, take us back in time a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. Do you remember Mahomes last year? untouchable in September for many moons. Uh, so look, I, I, I crunched some numbers. Okay. Uh, as our friend Kent would say, the, uh, KCSN analytics department, I went ahead and, uh, knocked on the door, said, Hey folks, I need some numbers on Patrick Mahomes. Did a little Google. Uh, so look, Patrick Mahomes had a 49 touchdown to four interception ratio entering this season. Um, the guy was essentially untouchable. He was 13 and three, I think. Uh, but really up 
until I want to say after his first couple seasons, it was like never lost a game in September, never thrown an interception in September, like absolutely untouchable. Um, and suddenly this year, you know, he's got technically, technically, it's that little teeny tiny technicality, which really threw my numbers off. Uh, the game on Sunday was October 1st. So it just kind of got pulled out of there. The one touchdown to two interception ratio that he had against the Jets doesn't get to count in these numbers. But still, he threw two picks prior to that Jets game in September, and he'd only thrown four in September his entire career prior to this year. Um, and, and so ultimately, I'm just looking at it thinking like, Maybe if nothing else, it's emblematic of the way that the first quarter of this season has gone. But I have to also be realistic and understand that the way that the first quarter of this preseason has gone has led to the Chiefs yeah. being in first of uh, preseason. Call it the preseason. Call it. We got Nick right out here calling it a, a glorified practice. I mean, preseason would be a step up from that. So we're giving them the rest of the NFL a little more respect than Nick is, at least. The first four weeks of this season, uh, I mean, the way things have gone, it's led to the Chiefs being in first place in the AFC where they kind of rightfully belong, uh, which is all good and well, but I mean, at least as far as Sunday night's game is concerned, if it weren't for the plays that he made with his legs, if it weren't for the scrambling, and even when you include the scrambling, one of the most abysmal performances of Patrick Mahomes' career, um, I believe they said it was like his fourth lowest whatever let's just call it epa or some advanced statistic that tells us that he played bad um you get that from the analytics department too yes yes um i in three or four games folks things were just flat out clunky and in the one game that they weren't they played the team that has the first and second overall pick in next season's draft if the season were in to in today um, a historically bad Bears defense. Um, and so I don't really know like what to make of this year's September and October 1st. Um, but it really has not been like classic Mahomes. Now, if I were to compare his numbers league-wide, I'm sure he looks fine. So on the Mahomes scale, it's where we're worried and maybe not on the national stage that we're actually worried which is where this always gets muddy with him. It makes him really difficult to evaluate because he's playing against himself, with a, especially in the local coverage, because our expectations are so high and we're constantly kind of looking backward. Um, and so it makes it difficult. I don't know. Uh, I, I will agree with you, though, that the, the scrambling efforts of Patrick Mahomes are pretty heroic. And it led me to almost want to say, if there were only one word to describe Patrick Mahomes' performance on Sunday night, it might be clutch i mean that that final drive which unbelievably they ran the clock out with over seven minutes by a couple seconds it was like 704 or something when they got the ball never gave it back to the jets and they only traveled like 46 yards um they really were able to bleed the clock mostly on the ground not just Mahomes, but obviously the running backs getting involved in there too. And you see two plays on that drive from him that are just unbelievable. Um, getting 25 yards on a third and 23 scramble, um, and then ultimately sealing the game on that third and eight. Um, I mean, Mahomes was sensational on that final drive, um, at least as far as the scrambles were concerned. I mean, don't forget the the run on third and 13 that he had. He also picked up the first down, had a little fun little dive at the end of that one. Uh, and that one gets called back for a holding. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's clutch. That's that's fair. No, no argument there. Um, kind of reminiscent of the Super Bowl last year when they had the clock killing drive. It also had the ticky tech holding penalty called that extended the drive. Um, and then, with the Sauce Gardner thing, I was like, this looks just like the Darius Slay thing to me. Looks just like pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, I I hope we spend zero more time talking about the refs. It's embarrassing how much the refs have dominated the conversation around this game. It's it's silly, and I want zero part of it. I'll I'll just say that. I, I'll I'll give I'll give one little one one little teeny tiny tidbit. I think that you know that there's been way too much conversation 
when suddenly a player who is at the middle of the conversation feels the need to come out and like make a statement. He's like, Sauce Gardner comes out today and he's like, let me clear the air on this penalty. And it's like, I can we just, let's not. I don't, I'm I'm fine. I'll do it. And also, and the holding, the holding go around wasn't a hold. And that's it. That's it. We're done. We're done with that. Um, so yeah, the offense, they score 17 points in the first 12 minutes on the first three drives. Um, and then after that, they go safety, interception, field goal, interception, punt, punt, field goal into the game drive, which was an impressive drive. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it just reeked of Andy Reid shutdown mode. Like you clearly got the feeling that the Chiefs got up 17, nothing in this game. They were ready to enter Andy Reid shutdown mode, put nothing more on tape, both on offense and defense. And really had every reason to think that the Jets were just going to roll over and finish this game out. It's just going to end, you know, 27 to 10 and the Chiefs ho-hum. They don't put anything else rest on tape the rest, the rest of the night. Um, so it was, it was kind of wild that, you know, sometimes that backfires. And I don't think Andy Reid necessarily minds when it does because I think he likes to challenge his team like this. He likes to put them in situations where, you know, hey, defense – don't allow 17 points in this game. These 17 points should be enough for you guys. You shouldn't have to, you know, get fancy with these blitzes. You're better than this limited offense on the other end. Go out and prove it. Like, this is this is your time. Um, and so, you know, they more or less did. They're only allowed 18. So, um, a couple drives in there, but we'll get to the defense later. Uh, but also challenging the offense. Then once the game gets close, you know, okay, go out and score. And... You know, they did eventually, but they did have two drives in there after the Jets tied it up, that drive after the second half, uh, where the Chiefs offense gets the ball and it's like, okay, it's it's time to respond now. And they I think they went three and out on both of those drives. They definitely punted on both of those drives. Uh so that was a little concerning. Um and so I've been on here, you know, there's no reason to be concerned. This Chiefs offense is gonna figure it out. It's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, uh, which I still believe fully. Um, and I think there are some pros you can take from this game um but i don't think we should just gloss over their struggles right now because there there are some concerns um and so uh the receivers are obviously part of that um you know the chiefs receiving leaders in this game are tight end a running back and a tight end and then you have three your top three receivers and snaps here's their yards in the game five yards zero yards six yards so you have 11 total receiving yards from your top three receivers in snaps. Um, so obviously that is concern. Uh, only nine total passing first downs in this game. That's the fourth fewest of the Mahomes era. Um, so some some concerning stats out there. The Jets do have a good defense. I just kind of thought they were more or less ready to give up on the season. I see them out here last week yelling at position coaches. Um, you know, obviously they have the heartbreak to start the season. They have all these expectations and they just fall flat on their face they have every reason to give up on this season uh and then you're down 17 nothing like and it's you got taylor swift the pair that's just we're being held a mockery here um so i i would have gotten it they they would have every reason to lay down uh, and give them credit for fighting back and i think it was just i think it was a lot of andy reed shutdown mode that went wrong and that it was kind of hard to plug back in and turn this offense back on a lot of different things i can dig into there i'll wait till after this first break Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, if you are looking for a way to make a big impact in Kansas City, our partner for this season, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City, need sponsors for their sports teams and leagues. Uh, you can help local kids while promoting your business throughout the metro. And all you got to do is send an email. Uh, to giving at helpkckids.org. Just reach out for more information. Uh, do you love sports? Want to share your love by coaching local youth? Our partners this year at the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Kansas City needs your help today. Visit helpkckids.org. Click on volunteer to start coaching today. You can be the next Andy Reid. That'd be good. Yeah, I'd love no, to see um, like a, like a 13-year-old that is the size of Andy Reid at 13. So we could just get a new video for punt, pass, and kick. Do they even do yes. pass and kick anymore? That's a tough call. I, th- I, would, I would hope so. I think that what is actually funny, I believe that in that video, the caption underneath says Andrew Reid. And somehow. It says R I E D, actually. Oh, there we go. I haven't memorized the door. <laughs> Uh, I do I do believe, however, that as Andy has gotten older, he went from Andrew to Andy, and isn't it usually the inverse? As you get older, it's the more professional to be an Andrew and not an Andy. Uh, but that's beside the point, folks. Um, so look, I want to go back to a couple of things that you said. Let's start here. And actually with something that uh, happened in the chat, Ryan Ewing out here trying to fact check me. Buddy, you have been listening to this show for long enough, Ooh. right? You know that we don't fact check, sir. Got him. But you're right. It's fine. It's fine. It was James Bradbury, not Darius Slay. Uh, long off season for both of those guys and everyone else in Philadelphia and on the Eagles roster. Um, I just, you kind of started touching on like, like, I guess not necessarily where are we pointing blame, but there's a lot of different things that are going wrong for this offense. And I don't think that we necessarily have to point fingers, but when you look at particularly those numbers that you read about the receivers, and read them back to us one more time, the number of snaps versus the number of yards. Well, it's just the top three receivers in snaps, which is uh, MVS, and it's Sky Moore, and it's Justin Watson. And in this game, they had five yards and zero yards and six yards, respectively. So 11 total yards from your top three receivers and snaps. I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, obviously, credit to the Jets' defense, um, particularly between Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Like one of the things that is really challenging when you play against them is that there isn't like a particular strength that you want to try to avoid. They're good in like the short area. They're good in the intermediate area. They're good when you're going deep. And when you have a couple guys like MVS and Justin Watson who generally speaking, I think, do their best work down the field. Um, But neither one of them are, like, dynamic enough to be, you know, putting DJ Reed or Sauce Gardner in bad positions. Um, Those guys were almost like sacrificial lambs for the team, um, just trying to occupy that coverage all night, but they're not getting open. And so that means that you need to rely on all these auxiliary weapons and Listen, man, I mean, despite the the aggressive 
commentary that I offered last week on Sky Moore, um, the sky is falling. Uh, you know, I mean, look, just last night, um, our our longtime friend and now colleague, for lack of a better word here at KCSN, Craig Stout. Uh, Craig is great, by the way. But he came out and unequivocally, like definitively said, and this is a man that I trust, all right? Skymore isn't getting enough separation to earn the volume targets that we were expecting going into the year. I've been asking kind of rhetorically just out into the ether, like, are these guys getting open or not? Because I don't watch all 22. And even if I did, like, I don't even know if I would really be able to interpret what I'm looking at. So like someone smarter than me, just say it out loud. And Craig did so last night on the lab. Go and listen. He says it. He's like, Sky Moore is not getting open in these spaces that we're expecting. Like he is not creating enough separation to get the targets that we thought he was going to. And at this point, not only should we be worried, but he should probably start surrendering some snaps to Rasheed Rice. Uh, was the you know the first option here, the the most targeted receiver in this offense somehow. Um, that's kind of a brain breaker. That's a that's another scrambler, if you will, that suddenly a rookie on this team is the one that's getting the most targets. And really, I feel like Rasheed Rice isn't targeted outside of 10 yards down the field. They're trying to get the ball in his hands quickly and let him go and and make moves because he's so good after the catch. But like, man, I'm, I'm just going to toss this out there. I'm, I don't want a chicken little. I know I already said this guy is falling, but let's let's be honest. The Chiefs have four weeks to decide if they have enough at receiver. Last year, they, I would say, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have a recency bias, but like I would say that maybe the offense looked better through four games last year. Um, who knows through eight? If somebody wants to crunch those numbers quickly, please feel free. Uh, but they acquired Kadarius Tony last year because they didn't think they had enough. They acquired him on October 27th. The trade deadline is on Halloween, actually, this year. Um, so come, you know, two, three, four o'clock central time on Halloween, the Chiefs won't really have much of an option in terms of changing what they have at wide receiver, trying to add to that room. And ultimately, they only have $4 million, and it's actually just a little under $4 million in cap space. So if you've got dreams of, you know, Mike Evans or some other big name, big money wide receiver, I don't think that's in the cards for the Chiefs unless they can get creative in that trade. And so you're looking at another probably first contract guy or low-level veteran salary just to try to add to that room. And so over the next month, it's going to be really important for somebody to either separate themselves from the pack and give the Chiefs a consistent weapon in the passing game other than Travis Kelsey, or Brett Beach is going to have to really get creative to try to add something to this room. And I, I don't I don't want to say that this is a problem that will last the whole year because we knew there's a bunch of young guys. This is probably more about development. Where are they at the end of the year rather than the beginning? And they already have a log jam at that position. There's so many guys, they don't even know who to play half the time. But when you play a good defense like the Jets and it looks that clunky, it just lets me know, like, if it, boy, I want to, I want to just write it off to it's early in the year, but we might be looking at something that could last for a while, as far as you speak. I, I mean, I don't. It's pretty similar to last year. I think um, they had some up and downs. Obviously, they had the forty-four points against San Francisco. You know, that seems like the explosion. But then the next week, they play Tennessee um, and win twenty to seventeen, and that's one of the uglier offensive performances we've seen in the Mahomes era. Really, I mean, Tennessee's defense really kicked our ass that night, and we only won because Malik Willis was on the other side. Um, yeah. So they're they're kind of up and down the whole way. Uh, they lost to Buffalo, where the pass rush gave them lots of trouble. Um, they lost to Indy, obviously they only scored seventeen, but they beat Tampa Bay and scored forty one. So it's kind of really up and down. Uh, I want to say like the narrative going last year was like teams that were like blitzing were really struggling, um, and there was other teams that were playing like the too high shell, um, and they were kind of having success against us. Um, but it seems like teams that are having success against the Chiefs this year are doing it in man coverage. Uh, I wanted to read some stats here and just get your, just see if if this concerns you at all because there were some interesting stats I saw 
um, concerning stats that were floating around Twitter. Um, Travis Kelsey against man coverage this year only has one catch. Um, the, Mahomes actually has a 0.0 QB rating throwing at him in man coverage. I'm not sure if that must have been an interception in there. Um, is the only way I'd get to zero. Um, Rasheed Rice versus man coverage. You brought him up. His really main route has just been like sitting in the slot against zone and just like, you know, sitting right over the middle for like five to seven yards kind of thing and then just catching it and getting upfield. Like that's kind of been his go-to play. Um, Rasheed Rice against man coverage. Five targets, zero catches. Um, that one's courtesy of Ron Cop. A lot of these from Ron Cop. Um, and then Sky Moore, just zero yards in this game. MVS, he has nine targets in 2023 so far. Through week four last year, he had 23. Um, and that led to 81 total targets for the year for MVS. He's only on pace for 38 targets this year. I mean, the, the, do these stats concern you? Go, like First, I like guess it's just man coverage, and then just more of the top receivers not getting... Uh, targets or catches, which we kind of already touched on, but against man coverage, it seems like they're missing a receiver who can, you know, win in man coverage and get them up like a third and four conversion if they come up and play press man. I mean, I think, I think that we came into the year assuming that that was in many ways like Sky Moore's job. That and you saw that you saw that early, like on the first drive, he had like the third and three, and he runs a little out. And he just doesn't bend the route off correctly, and he kind of drifts upfield with it. And you can see Mahomes puts it where he thinks Sky Moore should be. I think Mahomes liked the pass. Sky Moore wasn't where he thought he'd be, and you saw Mahomes talking to him after the fact. And that's kind of just the Sky Moore struggles. The Mahomes maybe not trusting him fully, but that's a perfect encapsulation of of what we're looking at. Let me ask you this: I mean, is is Pacheco the second best weapon on this offense behind Kelsey now? I mean, like, is that is that where we've arrived? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Right now, if you have, you're doing like a power rankings of the weapons, yeah, I think you would have to be. I don't even know who uh, Rasheed Rice, I guess, would be the next answer. Yeah, I mean, look, he was obviously, Pacheco was sensational on Sunday night. Um, I mean, I know that if you take away the 48-yard touchdown run, that the rest of the rushing numbers are kind of paltry. But, like, it really seemed like when the Chiefs went away from the run game that things got ugly on offense. And, I mean, in just four weeks' time, I think I'm now of the belief that he is our second-best offensive weapon from Kelsey. And we came into the season, and I'm like, these running backs are kind of trash. I don't I don't know if Pacheco is good or not. And if nothing else, the thing that I think Pacheco brings to the table that it seems like a lot of these receivers don't is that he truly is an explosive play waiting to happen. And in years past, the Chiefs have had, you know, a, a Tyreek and a Hardman at the same time. Um, you know, some of these guys that can break the long one. And I guess technically MVS is supposed to be that guy. Um, and, you know, no shade to Noah Gray's catch and run, I guess. Um, but really, like, if I see a long touchdown... On this team, I kind of assume it's Pacheco, and I don't know who else would potentially be in the running there. I mean, I would say Justin Watson, maybe. But I mean, part of the problem is with those guys, they can take short passes and turn them into long games, uh, which is maybe something that you're missing right now. And that's kind of, that would be Kadarius Tony's department, I guess I would say. Uh, And he's just been banged up, but, you know, you can't really trust him throughout the year because he might always be banged out there. I mean, there's nothing that says he's going to be healthy at any point this year or any other year. Um, so that's another aspect that's missing. That's kind of like the McCole Hardman. He could he could kind of take these and he's really quick in the field with doing whatever. Tyreek, obviously. Um, and they kind of filled that void last year enough with Kadarius Toney, uh, but haven't seen too much of that this year. I mean, is there... Is there something going right at receiver? Like I don't, I don't want to say it's all bad, it's all bad, it's all bad. But that's kind of how it feels through four games. Like I don't know what we've learned through four weeks, other than maybe Sky Moore isn't the player that we want. Um, you know, we, you could probably even just say like uh, people might think this comes out a little shocky, a little little hot takey. Jeremy Shockey? Yeah. You want, you want to trade for Jeremy Shockey? How old is he? You think he could? You think he could come out be the man beater? New Blake, new Blake Bell. He's a man beater. Take um, 
I I think that we can say like it's it's factually correct to say that the Chiefs lost the trade where they could have had George Pickens and instead they ended up with Sky Moore and Darian Kennard. Like, I mean, it, it's now basically up to Sky Moore versus George Pickens. Uh, but I mean, through 20 games, through 20 regular season games, um, the Chiefs have really been kind of crushed by that one. But they still won the Super Bowl. Was that and, the actual pick? The actual uh, pick they traded got was Pickens. Uh, I don't know if it was the actual pick, but like they moved back four spots, and it was basically, do you want George Pickens or not? They had the opportunity to take him, and then he and Alec Pierce, and I believe an offensive lineman, all got selected, and then they took Sky Moore. Um, at any rate, I think that it was always kind of a long shot a guy that didn't have much receiver experience and only had it at a lower level of of college football, um, smaller guy, not particularly explosive, got big hands and looks like a great route runner, but it's not showing up really yet. And so he, he might just not be the level of player that they drafted him thinking that he could be. Um, and that's a, that's a scary proposition this early into his career. And in a season that like, we want to go win the Super Bowl. And if they keep trotting Sky out there and he's not doing his job, um, that really hinders their ability to try to continue to grow as an offense. And so, you know, I don't I don't know what's going right at that position just yet. Um, Tony injury, you know, MVS, like you said, he's only got nine targets. Um, Justin Ross, really not getting much time. I think that maybe we want to see some more of that. Uh, but maybe we could sprinkle a little goodness on Rasheed Rice despite the drops. No, I I I got a point to make. There's two guys that I want to harken back to these stats that I brought up. Uh, but let's do it after this break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. I know you guys can't wait to hear from Dirk, but the NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Now, I need you guys to get in on the game greatness download the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use code KCSN new customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL that's code KCSN only on DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources dirk so you were seeing well just the stats that i brought up against man coverage because so i think a lot of the you know you're looking at this receiving core you're like well they got travis kelsey and then we're hoping rasheed rice becomes the guy and yet i gave those stats that yet against man coverage kelsey has one catch and rasheed rice has zero catches so they're winning on zone travis kelsey will always be super good against zone he's really good at finding the holes this chemistry with Mahomes, that will kind of always stay there. The concern is if Travis Kelsey loses a step, can he still win in man coverage? Um, and, you know, that's, that's kind of just the fear that's looming over the Chiefs franchise, you know, kind of waiting for it because he's 34 years old at this point. Um, so you're hoping that time never comes. But when it does, you know, how what does the team do then? Because they're going to need to, you know, fill that hole. Um, Rasheed Rice not having any catches against man coverage, that's, that's concerning too because it's just they're just really missing that guy. And I don't I don't even know how they did it last year. I mean, I, I know Travis Kelsey would have been a lot of the solution. Uh Juju a little bit, but I mean he's not even a great man beater. He's 
he would be good against zone because he's that veteran presence again and finding holes uh, and good after the catch, that kind of thing, reliable. Uh, but even him against man coverage wasn't wasn't too great. So I think they kind of I, I don't I I would like the answer of how they beat man coverage last year when faced with similar situations to this. And maybe that's just kind of what gives them problems. A team like the Jets that has two really good corners and they can just kind of put them out on islands and focus a lot of their attention on Travis Kelsey and, you know, everything else. And that's that's gives this offense problems. I want to say that the narrative last year was that Juju was kind of the go-to guy when they were facing man coverage. Um, but, I mean, he was in and out of the lineup a little bit, um, and and his effectiveness was kind of up and down throughout the year, too. I mean, don't get me wrong, had basically a 1,000 yards, um, and I think was certainly consistent enough uh, that Mahomes trusted him. That's been another word that I think is being tossed out a lot over this first month of the season is trust and like who does Mahomes trust who doesn't he trust um and I mean apart from Kelsey like there aren't really guys that have an established rapport with him uh Sky wasn't able to develop a whole lot of rapport with Mahomes last year because he didn't really get that many snaps um MVS despite the 90 some odd targets that you said that he got last year it really seemed like, particularly down the field, they just weren't on the same page. And so I don't know if that led to Mahomes not necessarily trusting him now. Um, we see the volume of targets that Kadarius Tony gets when he's on the field uh, to the point where it's like, basically, if he's out there, they're running plays for him. Um, and I mean, he had a couple nice plays. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was only two catches, but like, they were fun. They were great. Um, but I don't, I don't trust Kadarius Tony at all. I, I just, honestly, man, it just looks a little bleak in that room. And that's been a really quick change for me because when we came into the season, I'm just like, dude, I like every one of these guys. I'd hear national people like Bill Simmons be like, the chiefs are getting real risky at receiver here. Like they're kind of doing this Packers thing where it's like, we don't really need anybody. We've got Mahomes. And I'm like, do you even know who's on this roster? Like, they have so much talent. And here we are four weeks in, and I'm worried. I am. I am worried about the wide receiver. Well, it's, I mean, it's an easy defense because you look at last season, and the, the team wasn't much different last season. They had McCole Ardman, and he probably only played half the season, and then they had Juju Smith-Schuster. Everything else is the same, and you're throwing in Rasheed Rice and, you know, Richard James and Justin Ross, if you want to include them. Yeah. But everything else is the same, so I don't see... Uh, I didn't see much downgrade, I guess I'd say. I saw like more potential, like some of these guys could pop up. I thought Sky Moore would pop up. Obviously, he hasn't. MVS, after that Bengals game, I kind of thought, you know, him and he was just kind of doing the Packers thing where, you know, he's catching, you know, three balls for 51 yards, and that's just kind of the MVS game. Um, but after that AFC Championship game where they really exploded, I just kind of thought he would take another step this year. Um, just based off that, and it's kind of like, it wasn't, it was kind of forced, like, okay, he's the only guy left, so we gotta, we gotta make it work with him, and he made it work with him in a big way, like, he, it was such a huge game, I thought, I kind of expected that to carry over this year at MBS to take a step up, he has done anything but that so far, um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you, can I, can I throw out a few names, these aren't super sexy, it's not, it ain't gonna move too much needle, but it's, I think it's guys that can work, especially in the slot, Guys that could work on like a third and four. My guy, Hunter Renfro. I know it's from the Raiders. Two years ago, Hunter Renfro had to be double teamed on every single third down. I saw the Chiefs triple team him on a play, I swear. And now all of a sudden, he he's catches like two, ba two passes for the whole year. I, I don't know what's happening there. I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he's just done. He's small and he got hurt or something and he's done. I don't know. But I saw that guy be really good at some point and he's still young. The other guy is coming off an injury. He's buried on his team. He's not getting any snaps. And it's Sterling Shepard, a guy who I have always liked. He's a little bit older, but he's not going to cost you anything. You're sending like a seventh round pick to just take Sterling Shepard off the Giants roster. I, I checked last night. He's behind Wandale Robinson and some of their rookies, yada, yada. But he's not playing at all. He is a guy, a quick little slot guy that I could see kind of working like that. Um, so just a couple names that would be lower leveled. Someone who could come in and maybe get you that third and four that you need. And really even another guy on that team who I think the Chiefs were potentially interested in this offseason, Darius Slayton, 
um, as if the Giants continue to be in some version of free fall, um, you know, that's usually what people end up doing is kind of looking at like what teams are underperforming, who might be selling. I've seen a couple of people mention Marquise Brown as an option, um, a guy in Arizona. I don't really know what his contract is like. Uh, could he stretch the field, but I think might bring some of the same issues that they already have. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, it's just it's just really weird to go through the first month of the season when the Chiefs are usually like like pretty perfect, pretty pretty close to perfect. They did have the Colts game in September last year, but I mean the Chiefs have scored twenty seventeen and twenty three. Um, in three of the four games here, and then had the big, you know, blow up against Chicago. I mean, I and I look at it, and it's like the Chiefs score seventeen against Jacksonville, who gave up twenty-one to Indy and thirty-seven to Houston. And I'm like, okay, so I don't know if the Jags' defense is good or not, but they played well that day. Um, you know, I I go and look at the Jets. Obviously, we think that their defense is good. Um. And they did, I, I think that people have tried to put that Jets one in perspective because they played so well against Buffalo that first week. Is that right? Yeah. They beat, they beat the Bills in overtime. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm not sure what the Chiefs can really hang their hat on through the first month of the season offensively. Um but I wanna, I wanna like steer it toward the running game. They might be figuring out that they have this big, you know, kind of like bully group of offensive linemen. They're big, strong guys. They've got plenty of athleticism, and a guy like Pacheco with the explosive ability there, um, it it might be the thing. Like Andy might really have to lean on it, or else it's gonna be. You got to take whatever you can get from that defense. And if it's chipping away three or four or five yards at a time, whether it's a handoff or a throw, like that's just might be where you're at. You're at. I don't know how often they're going to be able to threaten downfield, uh, particularly if these guys aren't getting open. Well, yeah. So, I mean, Pacheco was clearly the best player on the field uh, for the Chiefs. He had 158 total yards. It was actually his most career rushing yards and his most career receiving yards in the nice. same game. Um, it was also the t- Chiefs' most rushing yards since that 2020 game against Buffalo uh, when Clyde Edwards really went nuts. That kind of his, uh, when he announced his presence to the NFL, which, which didn't last very long. Yeah. Uh, and it was also the fifth most rushing yards of the Andy Reid era. So they really did lean on the running game um, in this one. I, I do think it's it's kind of positive if you look at it like it's wild that Zach Wilson basically outplayed Mahomes and yet the Chiefs still won. Like, the Jets are supposed to be a team with everything but the quarterback, and the quarterback played the best game of his career, and Mahomes had the bottom five game of his career, and they're on the road, and they turn the ball over, and yet they still won. And that kind of speaks to, like, the talent on the Chiefs team. Um, So I think there is some promising signs that come out of that, uh, that they're able to come away with with the win in this game, despite despite Mahomes playing the way he did. Uh, But a few more stats... These ones are Mahomes' stats. Wanted to bounce these off you. Mahomes has more turnover-worthy plays, this is everybody's favorite PFF stat, than every quarterback except Mac Jones and Desmond Ritter. Mahomes is also 6 of 18 on 20-yard throws. He has the second-worst passer rating in the league on deep throws right now. Um, So just some weird stats. And there's also a wild stat. i got to give this one off. This one's just weird. Uh, It was the first game. Zach Wilson had more completions, passing yards, touchdowns, and fewer interceptions than Mahomes. The first time in Patrick Mahomes' career, either pro or college, that the other quarterback can say that. Those four things. And it's Zach Wilson. I mean, honestly, I think if you've been watching and you don't have to be some kind of an expert, welcome to Amateur Hour. If you've been watching, some of these numbers on Mahomes this year shouldn't be surprising to you. Um... I hate the deep ball number. Did you say he was six of 19? Six of 18. Six 20 yard of 18, throws. So, you know, 33% on 20 yard throws. Uh, I mean, I don't think that they have a ball winner down the field. I think that it's basically did Andy Reid draw it up right? Did the, the other team blow a coverage? Like, you don't have a guy that 
either through speed, athleticism, route running, or his ability in the air, that's just going to go get it. And Tyreek used to have all those things. Um, and they didn't necessarily have it last year either, but they found ways to get it done. And so far, the Chiefs have found ways to get it done this year too. I mean, they're 3-1 and one in that game against the Lions, the opener aside. Um, you know, they're they're where they should be. It's just, I don't know, man. And I mean, when you start to look at the offensive line, I think that they're, they've been much better at, at run blocking than pass blocking. Um, I know that they had the stat, I want to say either going into last week or after last week, that Mahomes was one of only two, um, or the Chiefs were one of only two offensive lines that hadn't been credited with giving up a sack on the year or something. Um, and, and that fact aside, like, I mean, I really seemed like against this Jets front, which is awesome. Let's let's be clear. I believe that last week on the lab, they were talking about how the second four players on the Jets were better than any of the starters on the Bears defensive line from the previous week. Uh, the Jets have a lot of talent and depth along their defensive line. But man, it felt like Mahomes was under pressure both from quick wins and from good coverage. Like it was just kind of everything was coming at him. And it, it to me, it felt like he was under duress. And there was a stretch in the game, especially after that safety where it went from 17-0 to really started to feel like the tide turned. I mean, that seems like it's the marker in the game that people are pointing to. Um, it felt like they did not try to hand the ball off for like two quarters, like like four or five straight drives. It was just, all right, Pat, we're going to let you throw. You're Pat Mahomes. And they were not really getting anything done. I mean, they they kicked two more field goals the rest of the night after being up 17-0. Um and so I don't I don't know if it's just that right now, until they can establish some other players, they've gotta be as balanced as possible. Um but yeah, man, they're they're really gonna have to lean into the run game. I, I do think it's important for us to talk about the defense though, because you said you said Zach Wilson had the game of his life. I mean, we went into this game against the Jets, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, look, it might be kind of close, and it might be ugly because this Jets defense is good, but, like, Zach Wilson is is bad. He's bad. I don't have a better adjective. He's bad. He's been bad. And I walked in and said, like, top of the list, this is what I want to see. Number one on the to-do list, give me two turnovers tonight. Like, please go out and force two turnovers. Zach Wilson should just hand you the ball twice. Unfortunately, he only did it once. Um, <laughs> yeah, he handed us the ball. I'm not sure if we forced the turnover, but he did hand us the ball. He he just gave it away the one time. Another comparison to the Super Bowl where the quarter, the opposing quarterback just drops the ball. I don't know. Thanks, guys. It's, it's very helpful when you're playing Patrick Mahomes to just not handle a snap and hand it to us, especially when he scored a touchdown on it. Those, those help. Look, I'm not like I'm not the greatest source to be able to say something like this as as uh convicted as I'm going to. Nice. I think Spags had a bad night. I think he had a bad night. And I here's my reasoning. Um I just don't think they had anything in the chamber defensively. Um, I really don't think that I mean, maybe there was some pressure happening here and there. And we know that, like, he's got to lean on the blitz. I think there's a little bit of a question about Chris Jones and the groin. Um, I think that there were some stretches where... Just just he, walk the 40-yard dash, dude. There's no questions. It is undefeated. It is an undefeated groin. <clears throat> uh, the health of his inner hamstrings. Uh, I believe you're talking about the crotch, not oh. the groin. If we want to get scientific, um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, the, the chiefs defense, like maybe it was just a huge surprise. I mean, you saw all the guys coming out after the game and tweeting, like this dude was <laughs> Nick, Nick, stop it. Nick's over here. Producer, Nick, Chris Jones played 40 snaps in the game. Don't believe me. Just Google Chris Jones, 40 <laughs> dynamite. Um, I just, man, 
I'm going to point out a play, and I know that this happens. Like, this is a Spags thing. They do an overload blitz, and it's built in a way where George Karloftis has to drop into coverage. But we've got George Karloftis in coverage in the fourth quarter of a football game, and the Jets outmaneuver you. Karloftis gets beat on this play. And don't get me wrong, when you blitz like you live by the blitz and you die by the blitz, I get it. But it felt like, to me, the blitz wasn't really working most of the night. And that means I don't think it was poor execution. I think it was the Jets knew the blitz was coming and outmaneuvered it, which to me, this is just simple math. And again, could be wrong. Maybe not the right guy to make this argument. But like, did Spags like get got by Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett? Like, is that what happened? We were declaring the Chiefs the best defense in the NFL after three games. And they allowed the Jets to look like that to score. It was a very disappointing performance. 18 points. You're freaking out over the Jets scoring 18 points. Yeah, because they're that quarterback's best game of his career. Um, No, I mean, it did. It felt like they had a bad performance, but it was only 18 points. They only allowed two touchdown drives, one of which was only 29 yards long after a bad horse color call. Um, So that was kind of a nothing touchdown drive. And then kind of Zach Wilson had the best drive of his life that first drive out of the third quarter. But I kind of come back to the Andy Reid shutdown mode, and I think it applies to the defense too because Spags wants to run these exotic blitz schemes, but he doesn't want it all out there and take. We know for a fact that the Chiefs save things for important games. Chris Jones came out and said, First, the Bengals in the regular season last year, they never moved him around the, the defensive line on purpose because they knew they were going to play the Bengals again and they knew that they wanted to save that and then bust it out that game so they weren't ready for it. Um, so we know for a fact that the Chiefs have always have their eyes looking forward on the future to more important games than a Jets game where they get up 17-0. So I think when you have a guy like that who, who relies like on these blitzes and stuff, He's going to put a lot of that in the bag. And I think that's when the Jets started, started to feel comfortable. And then later in the game, you saw that the Chiefs kind of go back to it. And I don't I don't get mad at these plays where, like, Karloftis falls into his own coverage. Because if you're going to bring exotic blitzes and confuse them, you're going to have to do things like drop George Karloftis into his own. Um, so I just don't... It's not like he's matched up man-to-man with a guy. He's just playing a zone like like a linebacker. Like, it's not that big a deal. Not big a difference from, like, Leo Chennault. So I don't get that mad. It's it's bad optics when he catches it. But this isn't like Justin Houston covering Antonio Brown 50 yards downfield. Like, that never makes any sense. It's just George Karloff is just sitting there occupying his own. And you're hoping that these blitz schemes confuse them, which they do numerous times. And nobody points out a defensive lineman's in coverage when we have a free blitzer and, you know, Justin Reed's just sacking the quarterback easily. Nobody's putting, oh, well, George Karloff, what is he doing in coverage here? Because the quarterback's done and you... And you and you confuse them. Like the, you're going to win some of those, you're going to lose some. I know you scoffed at that line, but I mean that's those are the chances you take. And I think more often than not, Spags is winning those battles. Um, I do, but in general, I think the pass rush against a bad offensive line just wasn't as productive as I would have hoped. Uh, Chris Jones, he had a sack on the night, but overall was pretty quiet. It was kind of like the Chris Jones, you know, gets his sack, but don't really hear from him the rest of the night. Um, a lot of that's probably because the Jets are getting the ball out pretty fast. Um, but overall, you would have liked to see the defensive line, uh, you know, have a better night. And I think they kind of just took their foot off the gas. I mean, it's I, I look at a lot of this as seventeen nothing and and Andy Reid shutdown mode, and and that's kind of how I'm looking at it. they they have a lot of these ugly wins in them. The Titans last year, the Texans last year. This is what they do. It does not bother them to beat bad teams close. Um, I do want to highlight one play on defense. Because this could have been a much different game. I, I never really thought... Did, did you ever think the Chiefs were going to lose? No, I mean, no. No. Nah. No. Um, it it could have gotten to that point. Brees Hall breaks that run, and he's out in the open. He actually has a blocker in front of him who he trips up. Um, and then Brian Cook kind of doing the running one way and has to switch over and kind of make an ankle tackle. Uh, and he does that on Brees Hall, who is a great open field runner and he is the last line of defense. If he gets by him, it's, it's an 80 yard touchdown run. Um, and that was when the game was tied. Um, 
So I think that was kind of like the biggest play of the game. And shout out to Brian Cook for making that. Because this could have been a lot different if the Jets get up 27-20. And now you have a Chiefs offense that is pressing. And now they have to go down and score a touchdown. That changes. That would have been the first time of the game where I'm like, we could actually lose this game. Because the whole time I was just kind of like, props to the Jets for showing up and making this game and yada yada. I never, never really thought we were going to lose. You know, you mentioned Brian Cook. I think he and Mike Edwards... uh... Mike Edwards, our third safety, no matter what year it is, the yeah. entire Andy Reid era, our third safety is just an awesome football player. The, the both of them have been pretty great so far this season. Mike Edwards getting more and more snaps um, and looking good in the position. Spags is definitely using him uh, in the right ways. You, you mentioned Brian Cook, like maybe the play of the game. I was actually going to ask, like, what is the play of this game? Is it the Pacheco 48-yard touchdown run? Is it the Noah Gray 34-yard touchdown catch? Is it Mahomes getting 25 on third and 22 or the nine-yard game ceiling or run? Uh, or is it the Brian Cook touchdown saving tackle when the game was tied? I mean, those are your those are like the five big memorable plays that go the Chiefs' way. Is there one that jumps out to you as being the most important, whether it's, you know, time and whatever? But I don't know. Well, I mean, I think you, I think you gotta go Mahomes third and twenty-two scramble, because I mean that's the um most difficult play. Uh, the Brian Cook play is the most like under the radar, could have swung things that people don't necessarily look at first off. Uh, but no, I gotta you gotta go Mahomes third and, and then late in the game, going down for the end zone, costing Uncle Dirk some some dollars on the offshore bank accounts. I'm gonna have some guys knocking on my door this week, and I'm gonna have to come with some money because Patrick Mahomes does the smart play and slides before the t- for the end zone. Um, Kills that, kills that Chiefs minus seven and a half. Well, maybe the smart play for you, Dirk, is to just move on back. If it's that bad, if you owe that much, you can always come home. We, we need lots of clicks this week, guys, so I can get this royalty check. Pay <laughs> the guys off because they're going to cane me. Um, Two quick things before we get out of here. Uh, the Trim McDuffie play where Alan Lazard kind of broke him off like four separate times and it was like hey McCuffey's but McDuffie's got recovery speed oh wait he overran the route oh no now they're gonna throw pass interference like I mean it was just a really bad look for our guy Trent um it's one route it's fine reminiscent uh, of the Super Bowl catch against him I keep comparing this game to the Super Bowl it's kind of weird um that that was a that was a tough watch after everyone was like just just wait the whole everyone everywhere is gonna know McDuffie's name and it's like eh, not the right reason this week um here's the other thing I'm I just I'm just I'm just gonna uh, we'll see anything what do you think something's missing without Nick Bolton uh this is not a complaint about any one player uh I I I certainly don't like have any major issues with the way that Drew Tranquil has filled in for him, probably playing almost every snap two games in a row. Um, there is an edge to Nick Bolton um, and, and just a certain style of play. And maybe there's something about lining guys up. Maybe there's something about the way that these guys complement each other, but like, there was a stretch in that game against the Jets where it seemed like they just had the the Chiefs defense like like running in circles. They did not know what was going on. They could not seem to make plays. Uh, and because it was Zach Wilson, I was like, what the hell is going on out here? And look, maybe you convinced me. It wasn't necessarily a bad night for Spags, but there are some some tough moments in there for Karloftis not being able to finish a sack. Zach Wilson kind of, you know, doing his, his own scrambling of the night, um, getting a little, little shimmy and shake out of some of these sacks. Um, but I just, I, I miss Nick Bolton. I think the defense misses Nick Bolton a little bit. I mean, the, the bears game, notwithstanding, but I, I, I think that he matters and I don't want, I, I just want to maybe slow people down because there's always been this how do we feel about Nick Bolton conversation, how valuable is he sort of thing, and because Tranquil played well over the last two games, maybe they're like, oh, we just 
now Nick Bolton's one fewer guy that we've got to give a contract to. We'd rather have Tranquil. And I think that they need both of those guys. But uh, I think something's been missing without all 32 roaming the middle of the field. Well, I mean, I think the easy solution is, I think Tranquil's played pretty well in his absence. I think the easy solution is that they are their best two linebackers. And you want to get Bolton and Tranquil on the field together. Um, they did a, they've done a little bit of that, but it's still mostly been Bolton and Gay. Um, but you know, Tranquil's new and they're trying to find um his exact role on this defense. But I just think he's showing enough. Um he's an elite backup middle linebacker, I'll say that at least. Yeah. Um, but if you can find a way to get both him and Bolton on the field, I think that's when you're when you're cooking with fire. Cooking with grease. I think it's it could be either. It just depends on you know. Working with gas. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine with any of those. I just like to cook. It's cooking with charcoal. Um, I think the writing is on the wall. Maybe for Willie Gay, I think that he is their fourth best linebacker, probably, and he would be a really fun fourth linebacker for the team. But I don't think he's going to get a second contract. That's kind of the way that it seems like it's going potentially. Um, do you have a smut report for us before we check out today? Oh, a quick little smut report. We'd had some, uh, some digging this week, um, from our, everybody's favorite sideline reporter, backdoor Kiki. Um, I just got to find, oh, a potential qu- a connection between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's past. Hmm. Maybe, maybe how they met. Um, did you know Colin Saunders brother is a backup dancer on the Taylor Swift's tour? He dances. With Taylor Swift. For da- Taylor Swift? With her? Um, but, you know, if you're meeting someone who you don't know, don't you always look for, like, a mutual connection in between? And, and it'd be like, oh, man, you used to play with Travis Kelsey? And, like, like he goes up to her, like, man, he's a great guy. I, I've parted with him, me and Colin. I every, It seems like everybody was close with Colin Saunders. Um, everybody always talked glowingly about that dude. Um I I just I that was kind of interesting. I didn't I didn't I haven't heard that that was a connection between the two. But I'm thinking maybe he played he played a little matchmaker. I think the Saunders were kind of in the middle here. It doesn't really surprise me that one of the most athletic big men right? we've seen in the NFL that his brother is a a dancer for Taylor Swift and he's you know out there doing all the choreography and stuff. Yeah, that tracks for yes. me for sure. Uh, as long as it's running in the family. Um. I want, to, I want to go to that Saunders Thanksgiving meal and, and see all the athletes in that family. Um, a, bunch of, a bunch of, what do they used to call Poe? Like a dancing... Dancing bear. That's dancing a, bear? That's just draft terminology. Um, I I tend to break my notes each week down kind of like by position. Like if, what, what do I have for each position group? It's just like one method of organization. Um, and when I got to the tight ends, it was just like, his girlfriend had a bunch of cool people in her suite. Um, like I did, you know, Travis at six for 60, Noah Gray. Your tight end notes. Yeah. (laughs) Staged Travis a little bit with the long touchdown. Um, and I'm calling Taylor Swift, his girlfriend. Mm. Uh, but you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of celebs in the suite, a lot of celebs in the suite. It was, um, looking lively up there. Oh, well, she's trying not to look too lively. Um, but uh, are, are you tired of it yet? Um, I mean, honestly, like, I think that... No, I don't really care that much. I don't I don't think that I pay enough attention um, to, like, see the just the total inundation of Taylor Swift... Uh, it's mostly just like talking to people who are like casual fans and like, oh, Taylor Swift, huh? And it's it's getting maybe a little. Well, how about this? If it was December and this was going on, what would be your thoughts? Because uh, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd be digging this. I'm cool with this right now, but I don't know if I'd be digging this if it was like in December and this was this was just now going on. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I will admit laughing at a few of the memes about like the way that Taylor might be saying things to Britney or whatever, like, uh, you know, and I'm fitting, I'm sitting here thinking like, are we going to get the inverse Giselle after the game? Well, Travis can't throw it and catch it. <laughs> like, you know, like something, something, I don't know. Um, but I mean, oh, I, I think that right now, like it's fine. It's kind of kitschy. It's early in the season. 
but you know, eventually Taylor's going to be on tour. And so like, I don't think she's going to be going out of her way to come to football games when she's out, you know, making money on tour. Um, I, I don't want it to become a distraction. You mentioned December and I'm like, if we're still cutting to Taylor Swift, like every single time something happens, I'm probably going to be yeah, a little miffed by it at that point. Um, I do. I, I do wonder a little bit about like what, what this could do if it's an every week after week after week with the Taylor Swift stuff, because I mean, look, man, like she's been to two games and I have seen that like the NFL account is like really pushing Taylor Swift type of stuff. I heard that the NFL made friendship bracelets. Was this a real story that they made friendship bracelets and passed them out to chiefs fans? I couldn't tell. I think no, but I don't know. Okay. I was like, I thought that it was literally like, if you're wearing chiefs gear, going to this jets game, that they will give you a friendship bracelet. And I'm like, could maybe I hope, but it sounds, it sounds like it's fake. So that's fine. Okay. So then maybe the, you know, the swift hysteria is not as bad as, as maybe I thought. (laughs) Nice. Um, they had a really fun cut to them. It was after, I think it was after Mahomes interception maybe. And it was like a, it was like a one second cut and I was like, and then it cut away real quick. And I was like, what happened there? Uh, I also, a couple of plays, everyone's talking about the, uh, the, the, the defender flying by Mahomes. I thought yeah, that was read. so fucking weird. And he had that funny quote, damn, I don't have it here, but he was like, if I would have hit him going that fast, like I'd be in Botswana right now. Or something. <laughs> uh, I know he played college football in Manhattan for, for the old Wildcats. So he, he probably, he knows, he knows what's He's good. He's a guy? Yeah, DJ Reed. Yeah, K State. Uh, and then also the after Mahomes first interception, they had Andy Reed like walking up to Mahomes, just like, and it was like it was like the Abe Simpson, you know, GIF where he comes in and then puts his hat down and then yeah. walks right back out. But it was just like a you good? Like yeah, yeah, I'm good. Like okay, see you later. I did, man. I I when Rasheed had the drop early in the game, you just see Andy and he's like, jeez, I mean, sh- all shit every game. <laughs> Every game, man. Yeah, we got to get past that, especially if he's going to continue to lead the team in targets. You don't want them to have to, like, take a quarter off. Uh, well, you know, Rasheen, you should think about it a little bit. Usually they'll go right back to the guy if, if uh, anybody makes a mistake, but we'll see. Uh, Chiefs and Vikings on Sunday. Uh, I'm hoping it's just what the doctor ordered for the offense, uh, particularly the Vikings with the Forest. Sorry, but, nothing but play man and blitz. Yeah, uh, the Chiefs have struggled against man. Um, traditionally, they're very good against the blitz, so that will be interesting to see how that plays out. I would bank on Mahomes. I don't know if I'd say embarrassed, but played badly on a national stage. I I would expect a huge rebound from him uh, against a shaky defense. I I hope so. I think that Flores blitzed upwards of eighty something percent over the last two weeks. Um. I mean, the Vikings have some dudes on defense, uh, but but hopefully this will be sort of a get-right game. Uh, after the Vikings, it's three straight divisional opponents, uh, two of which will be against the Broncos. And this four-week stretch, as we mentioned earlier in the show, it's really time for them to figure out what's going on at wide receiver if Brett Beach is going to have to make a move before that trade deadline. Uh, but good talking to you, Dirk. This has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott All. He is his Dirkness, and Justin Herbert is Philip Rivers.